The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. It's so good to be with you today. My name is Israel. If I don't know you, then uh, I've come here on occasion, and it's a joy to be with you today. I drive up from Santa Maria, and it's always, it's just, it's just great to drive that and to decompress or to charge up whatever you need to do, and uh, that's what happens. So uh, if it's your first time, second time, third time, or if you're considering, uh, you're looking for a church home, we're so happy that you're with us. And if you're joining us through the uh, media page of our website and looking at our sermons, then we're really happy that you're joining what God's doing here. This morning, I, I really want to talk about uh, what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Now, obviously, that is a huge topic, and that's just a lifelong process, and so I'm just going to scratch the surface of that. And, and the reason I'm doing that is because I think it's important to unpack the mission statement uh, once in a while. And the mission of Highlands is to help de-churched people, and I would say unchurched people, or even church people, right? How many know that church people need just as much help as unchurched people? So the mission of Highlands is to help de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And that is the whole reason why Highlands is in existence. Uh, I remember meeting with Graham and with Jamie before any service ever happened on this hill. I remember coming up and, and, and just hearing their heart for ministry, and we prayed together. I remember coming and uh, going to the uh, movie theater. How many of you were in the movie theater back in the day? Oh, yeah. You're saying, well, yeah, where's the popcorn at? What, what, what happened? Right? I remember all of that. It was just exciting to see that. I remember tripping out that our Sunday school and our cribs were, were in another theater next door. That's the coolest thing in the world, man. I just remember all of that. And the mission of Highlands is really the mission of the church. So it's the mission of Jesus. We're not trying to create something new. What we're trying to do here is to simply be an, uh, an outpost of the kingdom of God. Amen? So we are part of that work. And so what better text? There's a lot of texts that can cover that, but... You have to say that the end of Matthew, which is one of my favorite Gospels, is just a magnificent set of words. And they are not mere words. They are the words of the risen Lord to his disciples, to his followers that followed him for years. And they're also words for us even now. So let's take a look at that. Matthew 28. And I'm going to read verses 16 and 17, and then you're going to see verse 18 on the screen, and it goes like this. Then the 11 disciples, notice even there, the 11 speaks of the missing of the other, Judas. That they were an incomplete group. The 11 gathered together in Galilee. They went to Galilee. I like how Dale Bruner in his commentary says, 11, the number 11 kind of limps along. Twelve is strong. You know, how would you like to get 11 eggs when you got home? Like, what, what, what's going on here? Now we get 18. That's Costco style, right? 
Costco is 18. But regular is 12. 11, like I got gypped. One of them's broken. Look at this. Honey, didn't you check the eggs? The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Now, one of my favorite verses in all Scripture, when they saw him, they worshiped him. How many know that still today that happens? When you see a glimpse of Jesus, the hands of Christ, the vo- when you hear the voice of Christ, when you get a glimpse of who Jesus is, you can't help but worship him. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Excuse me? Some doubted. Now, even if that happened, if I was Matthew, I would have left that part out. Like, I can't believe this guy right here. He's risen. He has the scars. He showed up multiple times. He ate fish tacos with us last night. Why are you still doubting? But that Matthew wanted to preserve what the original eyewitness account, the original people look like. You know what they look like? They look like you and me. Frail. Unstable. Inconsistent. You're like, speak for yourself. What are you talking about? I'm a pretty stable person. Just ask your family how stable you are. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. The original people had doubts. And we just kind of, I'm not saying that we need to look for doubts and, hey, look how many doubts I have and compare. I'm not saying that. But you know what? There's something to be said about how Jesus deals with the group of people that still don't get it. You know what he does with those people? This is what he says. He says this. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I know you're worshiping me. You see me, you worship me, you doubt. But let me tell you more about me. I have all authority. While you struggle with doubts from time to time, I have authority in heaven and on earth. Nothing can stop me, Jesus says. I like that, don't you? No demonic power, no spiritual power in heaven Nothing can stop me. No angel, no army can stop me in the heavenly realms. And therefore, if nothing in the heavenlies can stop me, if I have all authority, whatever I say in heaven happens. And whatever I say on earth happens. Though the kingdoms of this world may fall, my, world, my word remains the same. Amen? Oh, I like that. Can't you tell? Jesus doesn't say, hey, you're still doubting? Get out of here. This is for the real Christians here, right here. You, I'm going to deal with you later. Right here, I want only people that have it all together and don't have any doubts. No, 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 no. He includes them all. He tells doubting worshipers, I have all authority. And that's exactly what doubting worshipers need to know. That's what I need to know. 
when I look at the mistakes of my life and why is it that the voice that we listen to is the voice of error? Why is it that we let one mistake or two mistakes or a life of mistakes tell us who we are? That's a lie. Who you are is who Jesus says you are. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let me pray once more. Lord, if my word should stray from yours, let them be forgotten. But if my word is faithful to yours, Lord, let us not just understand your word, but help us to put it into practice and to take great courage and comfort and challenge from them. We don't want to be the same. We want you to continue to shape us into the image of Christ and to the character of your Son. We want, Lord, our community here, Highlands Church, to be fashioned and molded and empowered by you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Today I want to talk about what it means to be a a fully devoted follower of Christ. And I think it's kind of sad in our day and age that we have to say fully devoted because don't you already mean fully by the word devoted? Am I the only one that got that? (laughs) But it's sad in today's world, and I would say more so in North America, that you do have to say fully devoted. Because there is a sense where people are partially devoted. That I'm devoted when I want to be devoted. I'm devoted when it suits me. I'm devoted if, it's, if it looks good. If it smells good. If it, the list goes on and on. But that's not how marriage works. Amen? <laughs> uh, to, today I'm devoted to you, honey. But not tonight. Really? What's that all about? Well, I'm, de- I'm really hardcore devoted right now in this season, but I can't guarantee next season or football season. Uh, can't, can't do that. No, devoted means full commitment, full investment, even with sacrifice, even when it hurts. Amen? And that's hard to do, isn't it? And that's why this section... This wonderful way that Matthew ends the Gospels with the words of Jesus is such an encouraging and challenging word because it is called the great co-mission, not the great mission. Nothing the church does is simply a mission. It must always be a commission. What do I mean by that? Jesus is not gathering his people and saying, now look, I'm going to split, but this is all on you and I'll be back. So I hope you got it together. I hope you took notes, because I'm out. No, that is not the way Jesus rolls. What Jesus says is he says this. He says, this is who you are, 
You take everything that I've given you. You've walked with me. Now I want you to do what I've shown you possible is already that you've already done. What you've seen in me, you do. And by the way, I am always with you. Always. Jesus doesn't say good luck. He says, I'm with you. Now, what what does a fully devoted follower of Christ look like? Can we just ask what a disciple is? What what is a follower of Christ? Because not everyone that followed Jesus was fully devoted, right? Many people that followed Jesus wanted to see what Jesus was going to do. They were curious observers. Some were warm-hearted observers. Some were curious. Others wanted to simply trip him up because they saw him as a threat. It's the religious leaders that did that. Others wanted Jesus to do something for them. Will you, will you come to my house and, and will you pray for my son? He's on his deathbed, one man said. And Jesus says, unless you see signs and wonders, unless you people, all of you, he, he, ad, he addressed it to the man, but to everyone there, unless you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. And the man begs him, please come down. And Jesus says, go, your son will live. And the man had to turn around and say, even though I, it's not happening the way that I want, I believe it's going to happen. And so people, he had a change of faith in my opinion. So people wanted stuff from Jesus. But how many know Jesus is not a butler? He's the Lord of the house. So you can ask things of Jesus, but understand who's serving who. Amen? So what is a fully devoted follower? You know, can I just ask Jesus to divine that for us? Because I'm not that smart. In Matthew 16, 24, he says this. After he reveals himself as the Messiah, Peter's confession, and Peter says, you will not die. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Jesus says this. If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself or herself and take up his or her cross and follow me. You've heard that text before, right? That's what a disciple is. If anyone will come after me, if anyone will dare follow me, if anyone hears my voice and follows me, let that person deny themselves and take up that cross, your cross. I didn't know I had a cross. That's news to me, Jesus. I thought you were the only one that had a cross. No, no, you take up your own cross and follow me. Now, just like a piece of chewing gum that's lost its flavor in North American church, I think this verse has lost its flavor. We've chewed it so long we forgot what it tastes like. You know why? Because we'd rather wear crosses than carry them. Did you know that the early church never wore crosses? Did you know why? Because even the sight of them would terrify them. In one day, right before Jesus lived on this earth and was born, walked this earth, 
Over 1,000 Jews were crucified in one day because of a revolt against the Roman Empire. And they ran out of crosses, so they used trees. And they did that on one day in order to say, you mess with us, and this is what happens to you. Jesus says, in a day and age that still saw people die a painful, shameful, excruciating death, you take up your cross. That's like saying, carry an electric chair with you wherever you go. Excuse me? Why would I want to do that? Lug it around. Let the weight of it just kind of remain with you so that it's a constant reminder to you that you and your old ways, your sinful life that you could never handle or control is over. It is dead. You are dying to yourself. Your pride must die. Your dreams that I did not give you must die. And what will emerge out of that is my dream, my word, my plan, my power in you. To follow Christ is to die, but also to live. Amen? So we carry crosses. Not physically, because you'd look really weird. You'd freak people out, right? Jesus did not mean this physically, literally. He meant it seriously. A disciple is someone who carries a cross. What does that mean for us? It means that we must, like Jesus said, deny ourselves. I'm not in charge anymore. I'm not number one. Uh, I, I've exchanged my prideful, demanding ways for a servant's attitude. And Christ lives through me now. Amen? What does a fully devoted follower of Christ look like? Number one is someone that is dying to self but living for Christ. So Jesus says, those are the kind of people that I want you to make. I want you to make more people like you, people that worship me, that may have doubts at times, but who carry their own crosses because when you followed a rabbi back then, you just didn't say, well, I'll take your DVD series with me back home and then we'll talk later perhaps. No, you lived with that rabbi. You followed that rabbi. You would eat like that rabbi. You would even bathe like that rabbi. You would do everything that you could to imitate and be like that rabbi. Jesus says, To follow me is to be like me. And the way that happens is that that you must be with me. You must make disciples. That is not the same as converts. I was mistaken. I thought that we made converts, that all I needed to do was seal the deal. Will you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes, no, there's no maybe. Yes or no? No? Okay. Will you accept Jesus? Yes. Sweet. Chalk it up. Next. 
And it became a prideful game. I was not interested so much in the person. I was interested in keeping score. And if we're honest, there's churches that do that. We count people. I don't want to be counted. Jesus says, you don't make converts, you make disciples. You know, it takes a long time for a disciple to be made. It is not overnight. It is not one decision. It's not one year. It is a lifelong process. How many of you play instruments? Okay, let me, let me rephrase that. How many of you play instruments really well? <laughs> okay. I see like no hands now. What happened? Okay. How many of you are fake, humble people? I'm just joking. It takes time. It takes time to learn any craft, right? And Jesus says, to be a disciple is like that. It takes time. It's not going to happen automatically. It must happen intentionally. And it happens when you spend time with me. So how do we do that? Jesus understands that we are not going to have an idea of how to do that exactly. And so he breaks it down like this. The only command in this text is this in yellow. Make disciples. That's the only imperative command, the only verb in that sentence that Jesus offers the church and and says what we must do. Whereas before, I thought growing up in the church that the first command was to go. I've been in conferences and in churches. I've sat under preachers that have told me, You are not following the Lord's will for your life unless you go somewhere else. That it is not enough for you to stay where you are. You must go somewhere, maybe like Zimbabwe. And praise God that we went to Zimbabwe. Can we just thank the Lord for that? I am not putting that down at any means. That must happen. But how many know that Jesus charged to the church was to make disciples? Now, he did say go, but that's a participle. Let me explain. A participle is a way of unpacking and modifying a verb or a a noun. Here it's a verb. And the participles Jesus uses are three participles. Let's go back to that that one slide. The one with the yellow. There you go. So, make disciples. He uses three participles to show us how to do that. Number one is to be on the move. He said, go out, move out. As you go, make disciples. The command is not to go. Jesus understands you're already going somewhere. You're going to go in our day and age to the supermarket. You're going to go to the restaurant. You're going to go to work. You're going to go on vacation. The list goes on and on, right? Some of you want to go somewhere right now. Yeah, I'm glad you reminded me. i got to get going. Can we wrap this up? So as you go, Jesus says, make disciples. Parents, as you go to pick up your children from school, and it's coming, make disciples. As you go to the supermarket, go to the same line. Go to the same checker. Love on that person. As you go to the restaurant, try to sit in the same table. Try to get the same staff. Love on them. Learn their names. Wherever you go, make disciples. Now, that's a different concept 
Because I thought pastors made disciples. No, no. Pastors and teachers, we equip you to do that work. Or we should. And if we're not, go to another church. (laughs) I'm serious. As you go, make disciples. You're going somewhere already. Now, that might include somewhere you've never been. That is definitely in there. And some of you have been waiting to go to that country that God has put on your heart, and you're waiting too long. What's the holdup? Well, I don't know if I can afford it. Of course you can afford it. You're not paying for it. Some of you are saying, you know, I don't want to go to work anymore. I wish God would just give me another job because that, cause that, uh, my boss or that employee or that coworker I have is so annoying. That's exactly where God wants you right now. Until otherwise, your job is not to complain. If you want to complain, complain in prayer. I'm not getting an amen, but I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Why well, got to bring up my job, Pastor? Like spiritual stuff right now. My job. My job's not spiritual. Your job is the most spiritual thing, one of the most spiritual things you could ever do. Let me tell you what's another spiritual thing that you might have. An alarm clock. (laughs) To be on time. That's a witness. Let me tell you what's another spiritual thing. A 20% tip at a restaurant. I didn't get an amen, but I'm a, I got a, I Actually, I got a that's right. I'll take that. <laughs> we should be the best tippers. Yeah, come on. Come on now. All right. <laughs> Peer pressure still works. Amen. Okay, okay. All right. Jesus says, as you go, make disciples. And he says two other things. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them in the name of the Father. Jesus did not expect you to carry water with you so that you could baptize the first person you saw. That is not how it works, right? Here's the thing. As you go, you make friends out of strangers and you make disciples out of friends, and the church welcomes them and makes leaders out of disciples. That's my philosophy of ministry. That's the way Jesus did it. He made friends out of strangers, disciples out of friends, and leaders out of disciples. And that's the way you go. If you take one piece out, it's not going to work. And it's all based on friendship, not counting people. And baptism is bringing people out of an isolated, individualistic lifestyle into a communal, purposeful, belonging community. That's not what people long for. Isn't that why high school and school and and life is so hard? Because we feel out of place at times. But it's when you are received with all of who you are, just like Jesus does, 
He welcomes people and they are transformed as they are loved. They're not transformed before. They're transformed as they are in relationship and in community with Jesus. And when you baptize someone, they are tapping into the relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit. I wish I had time to unpack that. Because it is the greatest mystery of all that God is so complete that he creates the world. He is not incomplete and somehow needy and lonely and has to create something to be entertained or to have something to do or something to say. No, it is so complete that God is the greatest, that God is the greatest expert in relationships because that relationship of Father, Son, Holy Spirit has been there forever. And it is out of that unique relationship and stable, healthy, equal relationship there in the mystery of the nature of God that we tap into when we're baptized. When you're baptized, my friends, you are baptized into a community not only of people here, but of the fellowship of Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen? And then you teach them to obey. So you go, you baptize, which, is, which speaks of community, and you teach. And you teach them everything. Now that takes time. Can't you see that this is a process of a painstaking, careful, deliberate, over time process that there are no such, there's not such thing as an instant microwave Christian. No, no, we need crock pot. <laughs> come on now. Like slow roasted, mm, come on, pulled pork Christian right here is what we're talking about. Leave that sucker in there for a few days or something. We want, we want a careful, deliberate, patient, long-suffering process where people are welcomed into community and taught everything. Now, I love how, how Jesus says, now teach as much as I have as long as it's culturally applicable or as long as it's still kind of nice to the ears. He's No, Jesus knows that everything that he taught will be so good and so great that in no matter what age of this world, no matter what kingdom, no matter what language, no matter which culture, it still applies. Jesus says, I'm surely, I'm with you. I'm with you. And that's the great hope that we have is that Jesus is with us. That's the kind of God we serve. It's a with us kind of God. Not a look at us kind of God. It's a with us. That's the miracle of Christmas. I have three things to tell you as I conclude this message, my friends. As I told you, I've preached here from the beginning, and I love it. I love you dearly. I hope you know that. I hope you know that. And I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud to be a part of what God is doing here. I do have to tell you, the second thing is that I will be, uh, as you know, I live there full-time in Santa Maria area, 
And I've been three-quarter time there and one-quarter time here. I will be full-time in Orchid starting next month. My family is, uh, uh, you know, growing leaps and bounds. How many of your family is demanding? Yeah, just sometimes. But the third thing I want to say is this is not goodbye, that this is a see you later. And that's not even coming from my hopes. That's coming from assurances from the steering team and the staff that have mentioned their desire to continue to invite me to preach occasionally, just like I have been in the past. And I, I will look forward and relish those opportunities. You, my friends, are a great church because you serve a great Lord. And your witness is strong, so stay close to Jesus. Stay committed to him. Teach one another. Continue to teach your children and grandchildren. The next time you see your children and grandchildren, teach them something. Serve where you feel gifted. Stay fully invested in what God has called you to do. Don't complain at work anymore. Amen. Oh, man, why you got to bring that up again? (laughs) Stay fully invested committed to Jesus. You know why? He's fully committed to you and to us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're overwhelmed by the fact that over and over again, broken people come to you and you heal them. You don't shun them. And broken disciples, unstable, inconsistent disciples, people that worship you and still doubt, you give them marching orders And you give us words of hope, words of instruction. So I pray that we'd remain strong in that word. We're grateful that you're the with us, God. We're grateful that you're the God that transforms our lives. And so, Lord, I pray for the marriages in this place today. I pray for the broken relationships of family that are shattered because of what's happened or transpired over time, long time ago or recently. I pray, Lord, for the healing of bodies in this place today, those who feel sick, those who have diseases that the doctors are confounded. I pray for people who are so tired of their jobs, so exhausted that they would be renewed to go back and be your witnesses. Ultimately, Lord, we want to revel. We want to just remain in your love and have that overflow in our lives. So have your way with us. We love you. We love you, Lord. We're grateful for your love toward us. Amen and amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.